Welcome to Hit Subscribe. I'm Chase Alderton, Growth Marketing Manager at Recharge. On Hit Subscribe, we explore the customer experience of top direct-to-consumer brands. We chat with founders, CEOs, and creative executives to dive into what scaled their businesses as we examine all aspects of subscription e-commerce. This episode features Brian Anderson, founder and CEO of Nacelle. We focus on all things headless commerce and progressive web applications. We define what it means to be truly headless in plain language and how much of the current public information is misleading. We also talk about ideal candidates for headless builds and provide a detailed walkthrough of what a customer would experience when interacting with a headless solution. So let's get into it. Brian, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So give us a little bit about who you are and about Nacelle. Yeah, um, I've been Shopify fanboy for the majority of my career. Um, I actually ran a Shopify Plus agency for a number of years before starting to sell. Uh, I really believe in e-commerce. I think this is a radical change in the world from traditional retail um, to a world of online shopping. Um, a lot of this is, of course, you know, boosted by COVID right now with everything going on. It's sort of been accelerated. Maybe we're 10 years forward from where we were previously. Um, and I also really believe in Shopify. Uh, I think the idea that you could empower, you know, the SMB um, to build a really robust storefront um, with otherwise limited resources is brilliant. And I think what Toby did here is is really commendable. Um, when I was at my agency, I was working with stores that st- had started small, but then had grown up um, and were scaling. And uh, one of the big problems that they started running into as they scaled was this idea that their mobile uh, experience shopping wasn't quite as good as the desktop experience. And because of that, conversion rates sort of suffered, cart sizes sort of suffered um, when you would compare the desktop stats to the mobile stats. And when I started in e-commerce, I think you know, 35, 40% mobile was about normal. And so it wasn't as big of a concern. It was you know, notable, but not a huge concern. Now for these DTC brands that kind of grew up on Shopify and are scaling really fast, they see you know, 80 85% of their traffic mobile. So it's become a more pressing concern. Um, and that that really started my journey into figuring out, hey, how can we solve that problem? What can we do around it? Uh, and very much started at my agency where, uh, you know, we would, we would sort of customize the Shopify storefront to do all these things. Some ideas worked, some ideas did help the problem, some ideas didn't necessarily help the problem. Um, but that was very much the start of my journey uh, around um, e-commerce and, and mobile shopping and, and gain the customer experience, right? So we're going to dive into all things headless today. Um, I think that intro about kind of where e-commerce lives right now, how it's evolving over time. Uh, it goes without saying COVID's impact is trackable, but somewhat un- unclear on where things are going to be when when the dust settles. Um, but headless is, is very much kind of a term that's been thrown around that some people don't really understand what it is, but also people kind of understand that this is the future. This is kind of the direction we're moving towards. So um, give us kind of a high level overview. What is headless commerce? And I'll give you bonus points if you don't use the word decoupling. Decoupled, right? Everything's decoupled. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so then I suppose the, the formal answer is, you know, there's a separation of front-end components and back-end components. There you go. Um, and, you know, now why is that desirable, right? Um, before you can even approach that question, I think you have to think about um, what the problems are that happen um, maybe as you scale up with a system that doesn't have this separation. Um, so the, the first thing that becomes really apparent is this isn't for, you know, the SM, the SMB e-commerce brand that's getting started. Um, this is for a brand that has a particular pain point, uh, 
probably associate around uh, latency issues, so page page load speed issues, uh, probably associate around uh, dev workflow issues. Um, they're not necessarily relevant for you know the SMB that's getting up and running. Um, and in fact, probably not needed. And in fact, you know, it probably just adds confusion to the conversation. Um, and this, again, just to emphasize what I said earlier, you know, this is what I love about Shopify, right? I mean, Shopify does this so well out of the box. You don't even need to consider headless. It's not something that's going to solve an immediate problem for you. And when you cross a certain threshold and you do start to look at performance uh, around ads, you start to look at conversion rates and you start to get really concerned around, um, you know, hey, what's going on with our mobile traffic uh that that's that's where you might want to start to consider the separation between a front-end system and a back-end system um, in the case of, of shopify shopify becomes your back-end system you're still logging into your store every day you make product updates um, in in the shopify admin you, you control you know your collections in the shopify admin um, and and your checkout is also generally done through the shopify admin um, and and you know even even apps like like recharge might be done to the Shopify admin, um, but the front end is separated in a way that allows you to bring new technology in that is more focused on solving the mobile experience specifically. Um, now the consequence to having that uh, separation is that um, you know you really need a developer involved. Um, it is a uh, a fancier stack, if you will. Uh, there's some more complexity around it. Um, and that's why it's really, you know, only appropriate for a certain part of the market. I think that's pretty clear. I think it's definitely a, uh, a technical build and it's a technical force to, to make sure you understand all this going, going into it. But it's pretty clear that it's a separation of the front and the back ends at its very base level. Uh, you know, how, how customers view your site coming in that data, whatever your whatever decisions you're making on the front end of a site, that can plug into different backend systems than what's traditionally able to be hooked up and able to be transferred back and forth. Is that pretty Matt, pretty accurate? Yeah, that's that's good. From my non-technical brain, that's uh, that's a fair assessment, I would say at least. <laughs> so so now let's jump into kind of uh, this idea of progressive web apps. So where where are the similarities, where are the differences? Is it entirely different? Do they work together? How does that work? Yeah. So. I would make the argument that you can have um, headless without a progressive web app, but you can't have a progressive web app without headless. Uh, so that's the relationship between the two. So headless is very much the infrastructure that you put in place in order to empower um, something like a progressive web app. And we should probably take a minute to define what that is. Um, both these terms, headless and progressive web apps are probably really watered down. And like the thing that adds confusion on top of already these strange terms is the fact that there's no super clear definition. Um, to me or to, to the e-commerce uh, uh, merchant, they're, they're, they should be most focused on the features of the progressive web app that make it feel more like a mobile native app. Um, and what this means is if you have a progressive web app uh, uh, storefront, um, you get pretty darn close to this feeling of it being a mobile native app. It's very intuitive. Nothing has to reload. It's very easy to scroll through and browse the product catalog. It's really easy to add things to your cart. Um, it feels almost as if you were an Instagram or Facebook somewhere, you know, tech companies that have spent, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on their, on their mobile experience. Um, but the brilliant thing is you don't have to download anything onto your phone in order to get that. You would just go to www.merchant.com and uh, you would get that, that rich mobile experience. 
So they work interchangeably. One can't exist without the other in, in some circumstances. Um, again, I think that's pretty clear definition wise. So let's move into a couple like ideal candidates. I know you kind of touched on uh, a handful of things, you know, maybe not for the SMB, maybe for uh, merchants feeling certain kind of pain points. Um, dive into those pain points a bit more. So I know that speed is one of the big things that comes out of a headless build and a PWA build. Um, why, how, how is that possible? Why does it become faster? And, you know, what's, I mean, obviously it goes without saying, you know, faster page loads are better, but um, dive into maybe like why that's so important. Yeah, I mean, I think the why behind it is that there's a very proven inverse correlation between latency and conversion rate. So essentially, the faster the page load speed, the higher the conversion rate. And um, it might not be immediately obvious until you start to get into the psychology of a customer, a potential customer and a buyer. Um, so let's let's walk through the journey. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of on your couch, you're browsing through your Instagram Um and it's really easy to do. Um, it's almost mindless. You can kind of just scroll through the feed, see some images, see what your friends are talking about. Um, and then, you know, you kind of scroll down, you come across, you know, a cool ad for, you know, a merchant's product. Uh, maybe it's a pair of socks or something. You're like, ah, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to click on the ad. And what happens in that moment is very subtle, but significant for the psychology of the buyer. Um, they now get transported to the web browser. And in the web browser, they're clicking around, they're trying to browse, browse the product catalog. And instead of an experience where things are really seamless and just flowing as it was in the Instagram feed, um, everything has to reload. Um, everything kind of is a little frustrating and a little hard to use on the mobile device. And so it's subtle. It's, it comes to the psychology of, of, of the customer, but it's so much easier to scroll through your Instagram feed than it is to kind of navigate the store and learn about the brand um, and, and really figure out, you know, what products are relevant uh, to this customer. And so, uh, you know, they, they often end up, you know, Xing out or, or kind of bouncing, if you will, and saying, hey, that's a cool brand. I'll check it out later when I have more time, even though you're just sitting you on never the couch do. with nothing to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, and of course, like you're sitting on your couch, you're not doing anything anyway, right? You're exactly. on Instagram. Um, yep. But, you know, so that's kind of the psychology that you're up against. Um, and I do think a progressive web app, what it does is after that initial page load, you don't have to load ever again in that buying experience until you get to the checkout. Um, and that's really significant because again, there's not as much of a gap. There's not as much of a discovery deterrent when you get into the the store come, transferring over from say uh, Facebook or, or an Instagram. So are we linking this back to, to the front end part of here? You're flipping through Instagram, you open that site, it's still quick, it's still fast. And you can, to use my own word, you can decouple that front end Instagram experience poking around the website from your back end. So you don't have to worry about all that kind of back end page load stuff. It's just going to load. It's just going to work right in front of your face. Yeah. And, and I mean, th this is slightly more technical, but I'll keep it high level. If you think about the, the infrastructure of the web, we've had the same, um, response you know for 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 many years it's been you go to a web page you know your computer generates this html magically on your screen but it's sending out a, a request to a server somewhere the server has to do all these calculations and all this work and it sends the response back and um what a, a well-done progressive web app lets you do is uh basically pre-generate the response from the server before you even hit the website as the customer. Um, and that's where you're getting that. That's really the radical change. Um, and that's where you're getting a lot of the speed and the power. So 
studied some physiology through college, but it's, it's like a reflex essentially. So instead of having input into your body and having your brain figure out and think about what's going on, it just hits your spinal cord reacts right away and you have this reflex. So it's a much faster experience. Never thought I'd uh, translate a, a spinal cord to an e-commerce solution. So that's <laughs> plus one for me. I'm excited about that one. Um, cool. So, so I think speed is, is pretty clear. Um, let's talk about design a little bit. How is, how is design able to be shifted and manipulated and create a better user experience? Uh, you know, I, I love this. I'm going to start with the point of view of the designer, um, you know, the UI UX e-commerce designer. Um, I think, uh, the traditional monolithic e-commerce platforms, um, never did a great job of being able to break things out into components. Now I will say again, just a head nod to Shopify here. Um, the, the liquid snippets speaks to this and starts to get into this. Um, there is a system called Storybook that Nacelle integrates with, and it actually gives designers and developers a better interface to communicate with each other. So um, you kind of build these components of your front end, like, I don't know, say a shopping cart or something in Storybook. And the designer can actually go in and turn certain knobs on that component um, and change the design or, you know, figure out um, sort of what's mutable within the design and what works and what doesn't. Um, and it's based on, on components instead of the whole page, which means the designer can then roll this out to other experiences. And it's just the whole framework for for communicating between the developer and the designer in a way that's really special. Um, so that's sort of in the development process. Now, once the store goes live, the other nice thing is, uh, you know, Nacelle, our version of Headless, pairs in a content management system like Contentful, for example. And what this lets you do as a merchant is you can now drag and drop um, to create pages. Um, you could build landing pages on the fly um, and you can manipulate the front end um, in preview mode and then hit publish all without a developer getting involved. Um, and so th I think that's a really big deal. It's not sort of how sections works on the homepage, you know, Contentful kind of lets you drag and drop and move things around on, on, every, on every route or every page of your store. Um, you know, I, I, again, to, to shop five's point, like, I think they'll eventually roll sections out on all pages, but, um, you know, I, I love the idea also that you could publish, uh, content for the future. You don't have to, you know, stay up till one or two o'clock in the morning because there's a new drop or a new release. You can actually just schedule the date and write it in and then hit publish. And, um, you know, your, your, your headless CMS will kind of take care of the lifting of deploying in on time. So that's how you kind of like build the back end. All that design stuff makes perfect sense. What does that mean for the customer? So when they're walking through this page, we talked about speed. I think that's pretty clear that everything's just going to move faster. It's going to load on the spot instead of having to ping the server. Um, how does the customer experience really grow from that? Yeah, yeah. I, I Again, back to the psychology, you know, I really, I'm, I'm, my brain has been, the pump has been primed that everything's instant as I scroll through. And so, you know, as I co sort of navigate a, a PDP or, or product listing page, you know, I, I can start to get information out of it that's just more congruent because I'm not having to reload from site to site. I, I think this is another problem. There's a lot of patterns that we've had in e-commerce. Like on a product listing page, you have this whole notion of a quick buy where you'll see a product and you'll click on it and a modal pops up. So it prevents a reload and a modal pops up and it only has a limited amount of information about the product. It's like, hey, pick your, pick your size and your color and then hit add to cart. And that's really great because it's increased conversion rates and average order values. Um, but I always felt like the merchandising team 
felt disconnected from the customer in those transactions where, hey, we built this whole really robust product detail page to tell the story about this particular product that the customer's interested in. And by having this quick buy modal, aren't we losing some of that? Aren't we losing a lot of this rich content that we spent so much time and money creating for our customer to speak to our customer? Um, and so if you think about the idea of a progressive web app, that's a bit of an anti-pattern. Not that you can't have a quick buy. You, you most certainly can. But why not just send the customer to the PDP page? There's no drag in load speed. It, it loads in 20 milliseconds, 30 milliseconds. And so now I can add this thing to my cart, this product to my cart, but I can also read about all the rich content associated with this product and really, as the customer, really start to like you know consume that content that they've created that ideally is is right for who I am as a buyer and as a customer so you don't necessarily need to have you know the company's life story on the product page to get you to you know here's why our product is so great you don't need to understand it was built from this this type of products and exported from this type of region and here's all these things you can just pop around the website and all that stuff exists on its own in its natural place but it's still as fast as something like this kind of modal pop-up yeah. And actually, you bring up a good point. I think because there's a nice separation between content and product on the back end, but on the front end, these, these two notions are sort of blended together. You can have things like a blog where, um, you know, maybe a blog is talking about a certain product. And so actually some of our mutual merchants chase have this feature where you can add right to the cart from the blog so you could be reading about the blog you'd be consuming maybe a podcast or a video and they start to talk about a certain product and you can actually just add it right to your cart from the blog you don't have to get transferred or moved around or something like this so it really does enhance the customer buying journey in a lot of different ways and at the same time from the marketer's point of view um you know, you're, you're able to inject branding, if you will, you're able to really show your the value proposition, speak directly to your customer in a way that maybe was rushed before on a mobile experience. And unless you're watching on YouTube, you can't see me, but I'm smiling throughout this because you say from a marketer's perspective, you can add in branding, you can control that customer experience to an extent you want to show, you know, here's the awesome content that we've written, but also here's how it relates to an actual product that we sell all of that stuff is wrapped into one clean, concise user experience. And you can check out essentially from a blog, which is unheard of. And again, I'm still smiling because that's something that's ridiculous that you've never thought of before, before this headless thing is, is possible. So super powerful, really, really cool. Um, right on cue, actually kind of talking about a blog, talking about how you can check out using audio or something like that. Um, omnichannel is one of those kind of buzzwords that everyone's talking about now. Your store has to be omnichannel. You have to be everywhere. Um, kind of goes without saying that that's the point of headless is you can disconnect all that stuff and have every channel pull into one backend. But um, why is that benefit so massive? I would argue that's potentially the biggest benefit of all of them. Yeah, I, I think your customer, as you grow into a brand, I think your customer wants to interact with your brand in, in different ways. Um, you know, maybe it's Alexa or Google, um, Google Home, maybe maybe it's uh, maybe it is a mobile app. Um, you know, um, maybe it's a, it's an ad that they see somewhere, and so the ability to merge content and commerce in different forms is really important. Different mediums is really the right word, um, but it's a little hard to do this and approach this. Um, if you don't have that separation between the front end and the back end, like we originally discussed, because in systems where the front end and the back end is um, together coupled, uh, you, you, you don't, it, it, the, the, the backend assumes that the front end is a certain medium already. 
Um, and so when you don't make that assumption and when those two things are separated, it opens up the world for different mediums like buying with voice or something like this. Um, I, I, I think another another area to, to look at is the content management system. Um, you know, there's, there's these sort of well-known CMSs now that have differentiated themselves in, in from WordPress and from Drupal by calling themselves headless. I think contentful is certainly one to look at as is sanity. Um, I think this, this new one called strappy is doing some really interesting work as well. And, you know, they've really become the central hub of an organization's content, not just for their e-commerce store, but also for everything like internal documents or for different, um, you know, uh, employee, uh, messages and, um, even something as simple as, um, you know, your footer in an email that you send out, um, you know, with the, the, your logo on it and your picture on it, that's all being managed by these headless CMSs. And so, isn't it so nice that you could, you you could pair that also with your e-commerce data and your content and there's all one central hub, but it could live through very different mediums and very different channels. Um, I think that's really important. And um, sort of as COVID accelerates everything that's going on in e-commerce, I think that's going to be a really important trend that brands that are growing quickly need to keep their eye on. I would totally agree. I think there's a lot to take in there. That would be a spot in this podcast where I would kind of take a break and go back a little bit and listen to the last couple of minutes and hear that again. <laughs> but but that's that's kind of the point in my mind of this whole of this whole uh, omnichannel thing is that you are allowed to be everywhere. Everyone wants to be everywhere. Something like a headless stack will allow you to actually be everywhere. Um, and there's really no limit on where you can be. We talked uh, in this podcast earlier with uh, Aaron Quinn about voice commerce, about ordering through these digital home things that I can't say out loud because the one next to me is going to ask me what question I want. But uh, you you get into this this arena of like how can I order things through that and it's a it's a realistic possibility and that's exciting. Yeah, I, I, I if if omnichannel was the buzzword that presented the idea, headless is the buzzword that executes it. That's very very well said. Yeah. So let's get into your actual headless stack. So when you're building this thing, um, like you mentioned, you can't just do this straight from a WordPress site or straight from mm -hmm. Shopify. So um, go ahead and talk through coming your your headless stack and why each of them plays a critical role. Well, yeah, and actually, let me. So, I think there was an assumption that was made <clears throat> that when I started this journey into headless, like you know, three years ago, uh, it wasn't really headless in our world yet, but now it's called headless. Um, the The idea of being able to use Shopify headlessly um, was one that was really, a, a, you know, it was attractive to me because the API I thought could give me everything I needed to to execute something like this. Um, and generally speaking, it. it you can use the Shopify API to do this without, you know, a, a third-party system to help manage it. Um, and and I think, you know, there are, there are even some case studies still on, on Shopify's headless page that talks about some of the work we had done at our agency. Um, and, you know, we had merchants that were getting 65% increase in conversion rate. By the way, for anyone listening, that's not the norm. So, you know, actually most of our case studies now are, you know, plus 20, plus 25% increase in conversion rate. Um but for this particular merchant, it was plus 65, and we had done some other ones that were in that range. Um, the problem is, as an agency, so our merchants were doing well. As an agency, we were not doing so well. It wasn't profitable, and it wasn't profitable because we had to build so much stuff on the back end to supplement Shopify for this sort of new world of headless that um, it, it, it just wasn't feasible or profitable for really anyone involved. Um, if the merchant had to pay for that cost, I think they probably would have opted out of doing it because it just would have been too expensive to actually offer a positive ROI. Um, 
And so what, what Nacelle does is it sets, it's, it's supplemental to your Shopify instance, right? Um, it sits in parallel, if you will, to Shopify. Um, it pulls in data from Shopify. Um, it pulls in data from maybe Contentful or the headless CMS that you choose. And then it sends all that down in one, one stream of data to your, to your front end that you choose to build. Um, and that, that's really, that's really the value of Nacelle. Um, the other, the other value of Nacelle is, is, we take care of a lot of integrations. So we, we build and also manage a number of integrations. Um, I think another great thing about Shopify is the ability to add um, third-party apps really easily. You go to the app store and you hit a button and it's done. Well, because there's a separation of the front end and the back end in Headless, you lose that ability to just go to the app store and hit add an app. Um, and that's really a bummer. So at Nacelle, we're very focused on essentially giving that functionality back to the merchant. Uh, you know, we have something like 34, 35 now official packages that actually integrate with Nacelle out of the box. Um, and I, yeah, we could run through a stack now. An example might be, you know, Shopify Plus. Um, you're pairing that with uh, Contentful um, for your CMS. Um, and I think one of the first things that always comes up is, well, what are you using for your email email service provider? Um, Klaviyo is a really popular one. So we have an out-of-the-box integration with Klaviyo. It takes all of a minute or two to get up and running. Uh, it, it, it goes beyond just the form. So certainly it adds a form and the footer that you could fill out. But uh, another important aspect about Klaviyo is the ability to send data back to Klaviyo so that you can use their interface to segment your customers. And from there, you can send you know, more strategic emails out at different times to different customer groups. Um, I think that's a very important aspect of Klaviyo. And out of the box, our, our integration kind of covers that. Uh, so that, that, that's a good start. Um, I've, I really like what Attentive is doing with SMS. Um, I'm really intrigued by SMS, especially since I'm big on mobile. Uh, I, I find Attentive to be uh, really well done. And um, this is another one where we have an out-of-the-box integration. Um, you kind of, you know, can just wire up Attentive in, in all of a minute or two. And, uh, you know, you get, you get the pop-ups that they've, they've created for you and, and, and the ability to collect SMS uh, numbers. Um, and then on the other side, you know, it's, it's just wonderful to be able to send, you know, SMS campaigns to your customer base and then have them land on a mobile optimized experience like a PWA. Uh, there's some real synergy there and some great benefits. Um, and then of course, recharge. So we do have a, a good, never heard of those guys, but, uh, we do have a great, uh, out of the box integration with them. Um, you know, I think what's really important is the idea that there's complexity around the checkout. We have to route to a different checkout when there's a subscription item in the cart. Um, so it sort of intelligently detects, you know, okay, is there a subscription item? Okay, great. Let's let's redirect this to recharge as checkout. Um, but it also emphasizes things like subscribe and save, and uh, that works out of the box. Um, so you'll go in, you'll sort of set up everything in Shopify, then you'll set up your rules and recharge. And when you're done with that, Nacelle will actually read from both of those services to determine what needs to get shown on the front end in terms of subscribe and save. Um, and then when the customer goes to checkout, it automatically um, uses the recharge checkout API suite to, uh, you know, execute that checkout. So there was a ton to take in there, and that was a lot of really, really good theoretical examples of how things may work. Let's get into an actual example. So I know a merchant that both Recharge and Nacelle work with is Ballsy. So give us a little bit about Ballsy, and then maybe walk through from a, from a customer perspective what what the value of this is. So how how do they get into this? How do they tell that it's a uh, that it's a headless build, and, and how does that kind of benefit them in the long run before they check out? Yeah, I think. 
the, the, the interesting thing about a good customer experience is that the customer doesn't think about it. The customer only thinks about it when it's a really bad customer experience, right? So I think what's really important is the flow. Um, for for Ballsy, you know, they're a men's skincare brand, um, very brilliant tongue-in-cheek marketing. If, if you don't know the brand, like definitely check it out. And um, they, they, do, they do a really good job. Um, they're, they're also great people over there. That, that if, you, if you don't know Adam and Brock, they're just awesome people um so yeah the the customer might come to the to the site and you know i think probably the first thing they want to do is like just consume some of the content because it's so amusing and memorable and remarkable in and of itself and um at ballsy they have something called the ball scription where you can kind of click and browse and find a product that's relevant to you um right on the ball scription collection um it tells you hey if you subscribe and save you'll save this amount um, and so, you know, me as a customer, I can kind of click on that. Um, I, I go into the, to the product detail page and it's, you know, I'm hit with kind of some more interesting tidbits of, of funniness, if you will. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this. I could select my variant. So there's a couple different sizes to choose from, um, and I could add it to my cart and I hit checkout. And, um, when I hit checkout, you know, I, I do get redirected to the recharge checkout and um, that's where I'm able to put my credit card in and, and proceed with my subscription buy. Um, and it, it's quite seamless. In fact, we have a video uh, that compares maybe in the in the show notes or something we could add it, but it, it, it compares and contrasts the before and after from the customer point of view. And uh, it's, it's quite remarkable. So I'll send that your way. We can certainly put that in the notes here, um, and I've I've seen it. It's awesome to see kind of the the similarities and differences of what you'd expect from a normal checkout versus some sort of a headless build. But Brian, you said it right at the right at the top there that a a good customer experience customers won't be able to tell what's going on there. They just want a good experience, and it's a psychology thing. You don't think about it until it's terrible. So <laughs> effectively, the the checkout is still normal. The whole process is still normal. But you can land on a blog, you can land on a product page, you can land on any kind of social media, anything. Link it back to wherever you're trying to go. Hit a product page, experience some of this content, pull it all together, send it through a checkout, have it go into a, a backend processing system. Customers none the wiser, but for them, it's faster, it's more efficient. You can gather data better. Uh, you know, ABC all the above. Yeah, yeah, and and I also think for the customer, it's um you know, like, like it's funny cause we we're in e-commerce, but like my girlfriend and I are, are generally frustrated e-commerce shoppers <laughs> and it's always so nice when a new bill goes up and I'm able to show it to, to my girlfriend and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? She's like, Oh yeah, I checked out. And I never get the complaint like, Oh, that was so frustrating. But with every other store, maybe even Amazon included, it's like, Oh, this is so frustrating. Right. So, um, I think that's really the problem that it solves. If, if you don't hear the complaint, from the customer, that's what we want to get to. And if you're able to, you know, portray some of your branding and show that you can speak to this particular niche of the market, um, that's that's what's most important to the DTC brand. It's an odd way of calculating success is as long as there's no complaints, then we're okay. <laughs> but it's well, true, think, that's what it comes yeah. down to. And, and I think the KPIs of conversion rates and AOV show themselves. Um, Definitely. You know, if we're getting, you know, like Ballsy, Ballsy, they increased their conversion rate by 28% after implementing the cell. Um, and it was a pixel to pixel change. There were no radical design edits or anything like that. Um, so I, I do think it ends up showing um, in more ways than maybe just, you know, customer tickets coming in. It's, it's I think the KPIs right. to focus on are really, you know, conversion rate and average order value. Right. So wrapping this up here a bit, a um, lot of talk about headless, a lot of pros here, a lot of things that people may see and think, you know, that that's perfect for me. We touched a little bit 
up up front about uh, that this is really only good for a handful selective merchants. If you're a small SMB, it's not really going to work. Where are some other things that some other examples that this may not work very well, not, not to kind of dissuade you from going to headless, but more to kind of caution you that, you know, this is a specialized system. This is not something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think, um, I think if you have an extremely wide product catalog to the tune of a hundred thousand products and up, um, you know, maybe, maybe you might not want to statically generate everything. So it's, that's a more dynamic system and um, probably a more traditional system might be, might be right for you. I don't know how many stores are out there with that product catalog size in the Shopify realm. Um, I, I, I suspect there's only a small handful of them, but I do think they're another one to kind of, you know, if they go the headless route, fine. If they go the statically generated PWA, that's really fast. That's probably the trade-off there. You probably can't get as much performance. Gotcha. Very clear. Last question for you. Something we ask everybody, every guest we have on here. What are some physical subscription products that you subscribe to? Okay. So my new obsession, this is such a this is such an easy one. My new obsession is bite. Do you know bite? The toothpaste? Yeah. So okay. bite is super cool. I'm obsessed with it. Um I got it to try it. And um I really it's it's funny because I, I I got it and I tried it right around the time, you know, COVID really started to happen. I committed to wearing a mask you really don't want to like eat a lunch sandwich and then wear your mask. Right. So like I find yes. myself brushing my teeth all the time and I find myself grabbing the bite jar because it's just so convenient and so easy and it makes it really easy to do. And I did notice that the brand recently released like a mouthwash, which I am definitely going to try. So that is hands down my favorite subs- physical subscription right now. And it relates perfectly back to a customer experience. You see what's going on in the world. You develop a new product and you release it right in time. <laughs> Love it. It's, it's brilliant. Brian, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you, Chase. Appreciate it. We want to thank Brian once again for joining us. If you're interested in Nacelle, you can head over to getnacelle.com. If you're looking for more episodes, check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe. And to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released, remember to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. 